many of you, here's a question for you. How would you like it if I could tell you your future? No? No? I'm like super shocked right now. Like, I expect everyone to be like, man, I wish I knew the future. Like, how many of you watch like Back to the Future? Like, I mean, like, like, don't we have a fascination with like knowing what's coming next? Okay, we just don't want the bad news. Okay, I see. Wow, I was unprepared for this. I might have to change my sermon. Um, yes, yes. Okay, glad I'm not alone here. Whoo. Uh, yeah, the, the future, you know, sometimes we're, we're excited for it because we're hoping for good news or, or we think, here's what I really think it is, right? Like, and, and you see the opportunist in, in like, I didn't mean to talk about Back to the Future, but now we're talking about the movies and it's in my mind. And like, we could be like the one that wants to go like make a bet knowing we're going to win a bunch of money, right? Like, like there's the trivial side of like knowing our future, but then there's like the bigger aspect of like, you know, here's, here, here's, here's the premise of what I want us to consider is, is that our decisions right now are determining our future. And I think it would be beneficial for us to, like, actually think about, hey, this decision I'm, decision I'm making right now, how is that affecting my future? Because too often, I fear, we make our decision over what feels best right now. As if there's something still coming. And for those of you, very few of us, that, like, want to know the future, we can't. To a certain extent, there's all kinds of stuff outside of our control. But there's stuff inside of our control where, like, I can determine my future. Like, there's, again, things outside our control. But then there's things inside my control that I'm making choices today that are going to affect not just tomorrow. But sometimes we make choices today that last for the rest of our lifetime. Sometimes we make choices today that lasts not just for our lifetime, but for our children's lifetime. And there's consequences to the choices we make. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. And when we consider this moment in the light of the future, I'd ask maybe it might change our perspective on what this moment is. Book of Luke, chapter number four. It says this. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Sometimes the Bible makes understatements. The devil said to him, <clears throat> if, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms, kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all 
this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan! For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and... In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Knowing the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. We have here a story of three temptations and three responses. And I'll be honest with you, as I've prepared this to, to speak on this passage, I, I spent a lot of time on what are the different temptations. And we'll talk about some of them. I want us to recognize, before we get going, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. We have three written here. These are not all three temptations that Jesus faced. I'm convinced of that. Convinced it was a lot. All the time. It was constant for 40 days. And, and, and I know I, I made a little poke of fun at, and it says, after 40 days of eating nothing, afterwards he was hungry. But my perspective of this passage is that maybe these three we're at the end of the 40 days. And, and I want us to think about temptation. What, what does it mean to be tempted? Because first of all, we have to recognize that God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And I think before I get any farther, like there, there's a reason I, I had us read from uh, Hebrews earlier. Because Jesus, we have a high priest who understands us. Because he was tempted just like we were. And, and, and in these three t temptations that we see, and again, I believe there's way more than this, but in these three temptations, I see like an overarching theme that really applies to so much of our life. One of the, the New Testament writers, they said that, that sin, is, like, sin, it boils down to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And I see in these three temptations some of these same things where there's, this, there's this, this desire that we have with our eyes. There's this, this desire we have with our flesh. And then there's this pride that we exist in. There's this selfishness that we exist in where everything else exists for us. And so within this context, like as we think about temptation, I want us to recognize that Jesus... Our God, who is God way before he ever became man, when he was man, was tempted just like we were. And yet he never succumbed to temptation. And so as we look at temptation, 
first of all, I have to, we have to recognize, yeah, I'm not Jesus. Jesus is God. God before all time began, before he made time. But he was still tempted. And if he's the one that has given us life, and he's the one that, that walks with us and lives with us, then I believe that we can learn from Jesus what it means to endure temptation and not succumb, but instead bring God glory through temptation. See, this temptation, there's an outside enemy that we have to deal with here. Literally, we don't get to like, uh, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to over-allegorize the, the Bible and say that uh, all of these temptations were just Jesus' inner monologue. There is an outside enemy that is fighting against God and his kingdom, and that includes those who follow him. And there will be demons that will infest your life, that will speak out lies, that will try to deceive, and that will try to call you to live apart from God. And sometimes, I would say primarily, they do it by going back to our lust and our pride and our greed. See, when, when Satan tempted Eve, and he said, said, don't believe me. He said, believe yourself. Did God say? No, 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 he just doesn't want you to be like him. See for yourself. We have this temptation. There's an outside enemy, but there's this inner battle that we have with temptation. Because it's ourself that we're fighting against. And Jesus was tempted. He had physical needs. He was hungry. And I want us to recognize after 40 days of temptation, the temptations still come. And, and, and we can do well fighting against temptation day one and day two. Man, day 35, when you're tired and you're beat down and it's hard, temptation still comes. And so as we look at these temptations, I want us to consider some different aspects of what we see in these temptations, what they mean and how that might apply in our lives. I want us to see what Jesus' response is because I think Jesus, being our example that we are to follow, he gives us some valuable examples of how to battle temptation. And I want us to prepare. I want us to be prepared. Because temptation's coming. If I can be completely honest, I'm pretty sure you guys are being tempted right now. Hey. This is no sanctuary. This is a box. That's it. If you think your evil desires don't follow you in here, don't be deceived. If you don't think the outside forces aren't battling against what's happening in here, don't be deceived. How do we battle? How, are we, how do we prepare to fight this temptation? Three temptations. First temptation, temporary pleasure. 
temporary pleasure. Jesus was hungry. Turn a stone into bread. Man, that sounds awesome. Like, he just skipped so many steps. Like, I don't even need a, need a TV dinner anymore, right? Like, like, I just go get some stones from outside. Like, my kids have been bringing sticks and stones into my house all the time. And, and if I knew they were just bringing me stuff I could turn into bread, like, man, I would have not been so, you know, messed up and disappointed in them for bringing it in the house. But what good does that do? Let, let, let's actually ask the question of this temporary pleasure, pleasure that we were tempted with. Like, what's the point? Have you guys ever asked yourself, like, what's the point of your entertainment? What, what's the point of your spa day? What's the point of another TV show? What's the point of your fifth helping of Boston cream pie? Like, sorry, that, that, that was me speaking. I, I don't know your temptations. Like, I'm fat because things are delicious, right? And, and, and listen, here's, here's the hard thing. Because everything I just mentioned, I think there's, there's possibility for it to be a good thing. Can it be a good thing for Jesus to turn a stone into bread? Can it be a good thing for Jesus to take two loaves of bread and make it feed thousands? Yes, it can be good. But what's the point? Jesus had to ask that after he fed thousands of people. They come back and they're like, Jesus, you got some manna? Moses gave manna to the people and you gave us fish. We want some of that heavenly bread. Well, what's the point? You're just going to come follow me because I can feed you? Some temporary pleasure? Some, some temporary satisfaction? Some shortcut to avoid the problems that are all around us? Some relief from the hardship of following God? What's the point? Again, these things can be good. Entertainment can be good. It can be healing. It can be restorative. It can be good for us to like refocus our mind. It can be good for us to relax. But when we do it for the sake and the point of just some temporary pleasure, instead of looking at the greater work that God has called us to do, recognizing if we blow, you know, like work ourselves to death today, then we can't do work next year, right? Like there's good that can happen from these things. But how dare we begin to do these things for the sake of themselves? It's just temporary. Like it's, Jesus says, build up your, like, the things of earth will rust, be eaten, it will be burned, it will be gone. And if the point of why you live your life and do the things you do is just for this moment, it's all gone. Instead, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and corrupt. 
Use, use the things we have today for tomorrow. Lay up treasures in heaven. Temporary pleasures. Jesus responds to this and he says this. It is written. Before I get to this point, like, look, it's already up there. You see it. Man responds. Man needs every word of God. This is, this is what I'm talking about. First of all, man needs every word of God. Jesus responds to each of these temptations by saying it is written. Third one, he says, it has been said, but then he quotes Deuteronomy again, okay? So he like quotes scripture again. It is written, it is written, it is written. And I want you to recognize when you face temptation, we need God's word. We need what God has revealed. We need what God has shown. We need God's example. We need God's law. We need God showing us the way of life, not the way of death. Paul says it this way, yield your lives as instruments of righteousness, good works, not to instruments of death. No, we, listen, there's, there's temptations in our life, and when we face these temptations, if we do not know what God has said, then we will be tossed to and fro with our whims and our passions and with whatever guy sounds most convincing at the moment. Instead, what we need is we need to know what God has said. I want you to know if I say something and God hasn't said it, okay, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. I'm opinionated, so I think I'm right, but I might be wrong. What has God said about it? Listen, there's, there's a practical aspect of this. We're memorizing scripture, so in moments, uh, 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 in, in moments of temptation, when, when the devil or self begins to say, mm, I need this temporary pleasure, or mm, I need to not actually work again. Ooh, I want to lash out at my boss because he said this. Ooh, I want to look at that because it makes me aroused. Ooh, I want to eat that because it satisfies me. And listen... Uh, we will never, ever, ever find a life of fulfillment and peace if all we're living for is the pleasures of this moment. And in the moment of temptation, when you're alone and the phone is there, in the moment of temptation, when you're angry and you want to lash out, in the moment of temptation, just one more. We need to know what God has said. And if you've dedicated time to memorize his word, then the Holy Spirit can bring to mind what you already know. There's passages like 1 Corinthians 10.31, my daughter right there, Juliet, like we've been learning this with my family. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 
We do not have to succumb to temptation. And in the moment of temptation, in the moment of desire, in, in our failures, when we hear the words of God, I have not given this to you so that you would be overtaken. But so that you can trust in him. We need his words to speak to us. We need to hear what he said. We need like actually know him. Because there's going to be outside forces that start telling you things. Jumping ahead in the story, Satan, he kind of gets, you know, he gets the memo. Oh, it's written, it's written. Okay, fine, I'll use it is written. So Satan's using scripture in temptation. And there are false prophets and there are wolves in sheep's clothing. There's devils and there are there are selfish desires that can turn truth into lies. And one of the greatest temptations, I, I believe most temptations come from a kernel of truth. And if we don't know the heart of our God, then we won't recognize what is true and what is not. How do we respond to the temptation of, is this good or is this bad? Well, we know the heart of our God. This is good in this moment for this purpose. And this is not. Because we know what our God has said. We know what our God has called us to, whether he is leading us, what he wants us to do. We can, we can face temptation and we can look at it and we can say, that's not what I need. What do you need? I want to be clear. Maybe some of you need rest today. I'm not trying to harp that rest and entertainment is all evil. But what do you actually need? I need God to speak to me. I need God. What do I need? Well, usually on Sundays it's a nap, but I never get it. Which is a good thing because naps are like, I wake up with a headache. It's terrible. What do I need? I can tell you what my prayer is every Sunday morning. It's God, I need you. I need you to speak. Because if I just get up and give my opinions another Sunday, we're all in trouble. I need God. I need God to speak. And and in my rest, I need him to lead me. And and in 40 days of hunger, I need him to lead me. And when it's hard, I need him to lead me. And when it's easy, I really need him to lead me. Because that's when it's easy to forget what he's saying. I need to hear him. How do we respond to these temptations? We listen to the voice of our God. There's another temptation. Treacherous priority. Satan. <laughs> he says to Jesus, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For it's been delivered to me and I'll give it to him of our wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, I'll be yours. There are 
there are priorities that we have in our lives. And, and this is a conversation that is for way smarter people than me. <coughs> Excuse me. So I talk about priorities. Except that goes against the nature of the word priority. Priority is singular. Only one. Only one priority. Only one. And yet what the temptation here is, is the priority of good things. Of fame, and fortune, and, and authority, and power, and, and shortcuts, and, and getting things done, and, and accomplishing what you needed just without all the hard stuff. Becoming the God of this world at the cost of losing your priorities. I don't think that's okay. And I don't, first of all, I recognize, like I'm gonna say something that might anger some of you. I had to confess today to my God, right there, kneeling right there, and I recognized that I prioritize certain things in my family over God, which is a good thing, and I love my family, I love my children, I, I love my wife. But then I turn around and I have to confess that I prioritize friendships with, with, with some of my friends over my family. Because I, I value their opinion and I, I value spending time with them. And then I had to confess that, that I value my, my rest more than my family and more than my friends. I would rather do my own thing for on my own time for my own pleasure. And then I had to confess, listen, we have all these competing priorities in our life. And, and we'll sit here and we'll say, well, I love my family and I'm going to do this for my family. But then the next thing that we love, we're like, well, I love that. But even though I love my family, I'm going to do this because I love it. And, and what we find very quickly is our love is fleeting. And it goes to the highest bidder. And it goes to the one that we think is going to fulfill us fastest. And we're willing to serve and worship anything that makes our life easier or better or richer. Like, how, how many rom-coms do we have to go watch to, and then like watch the sequel and they're doing it again with a different person? Like, it's so fleeting, it's so momentary. I'm trying not to teach the same temptation both times, but like it's so temporary. And what, what we're talking about is that we are willing to sacrifice eternal things for something now. For something that's going to burn up. And, and the devil is offering Jesus something wonderful. I'm going to give you the glory of everything you can see. All it's going to cost you is everything. 
Jesus' response. It is written, well, actually, first he yells at Satan. <laughs> uh, spiritual warfare is a really interesting thing. Uh, if you guys want to go run around yelling at Satan, you know, I'm not going to encourage it. I'm also not going to discourage it. I'll tell you something. I, I don't think I have much power against demons. I, I just don't. Like, I see, I see demons in Jesus' day taking humans, infesting them, making them cut themselves, making them, like, throw people out. Like, I, I mean, they're doing, like, ungodly, unhuman things. Like, spiritual warfare. If you just want to walk up to a demon and be like, go away. No, but here's what I'll tell you: Jesus Christ, He speaks, and it has to listen. And I am not giving you some magic formula to for you to face a demon and make it conform to your will. But what I am telling you is, if you're conforming to your King and you're following Him, then nothing can stop Him. And if the things that we're battling against is uh, like the temptation to like build our kingdom, I have no power against that. But if we're building God's kingdom, nothing can stand against him. And we follow him. We worship him. We need him. And when he speaks, all authority and all power listens to him. Because Satan here can say, say, oh, authority's been given to me on this planet. And maybe there's some little bit of truth in that. Like God has given him the right to run around and, and tempt. But like we see even in like Job, like, you know, for those who follow God, like he's got to get like special permission from God. Okay. Because he doesn't have the authority and the power to do whatever he wants. But Jesus has all power and all authority. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so as we follow him, he sends us out doing his bidding and we speak his words. Get behind me, Satan. Because it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Here's the response. Man needs to prioritize God alone. Enough having multiple priorities in your life. Have one. Enough allowing your schedule and, and your friends and your family determine the purpose of your life. Come to your creator and find purpose in him. And then in the places he has put you, with your family, with your community, with your church, in those places, prioritize God. Listen, this, here's my opinion, and this is my understanding of what it means to prioritize God. Enough saying, okay, first it's church, then it's ministry, then it's family, then it's job. No, no, no. Let's stop getting rid of the pyramid scheme. Let's just say, Reuben, one priority, God. Father, my priority is God. Husband, my priority is God. Pastor, my priority is God. Layman, worker, miner, uh, store clerk. Like, stop allowing these things to define you. What defines you is your creator. 
And where he's placed you, bring him glory. And stop looking for the easy thing in your life that's going to shortcut all the hard things. And in the hard things, Jesus said, Yea, though I walk, or it was David who said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. It's his rod and it's his staff that bring us comfort. It's his guidance. It's his discipline. It's his word. It's him speaking to us. It's him living with us that gives us comfort. Prioritize God and God alone. Worship him as you wash dishes. Worship him as you sing praises. Worship him as you wipe your kid's butt. Worship him as you read scripture. Worship him as you face temptation. As you sacrifice momentary pleasure for an eternal treasure. Prioritize God alone. Third temptation. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Because scripture says you'll be fine. I really tried to do alliteration for the third temptation here. It's testing purposes. And I've already alluded to this, but what's the point? Could Jesus jump off the pinnacle of the temple and not dash his foot against a stone? Can that happen? Think about all the things that you've prayed to God for in your entire life. Make a list in your head. And for each of the things that you've asked God to do, ask yourself why. Why do we ask for healing? Why do we ask for a job? Why, why are we asking God anything? Is it just for the moment? Or are we looking to affect eternity? Are we looking to provide for our family because that's what I'm supposed to do? Or am I looking to provide for my family so that I can continue to rage in the admonition, the admonition of my Lord? That I can continue to disciple them and share with them the love of Jesus. Why am I praying for a job? This one or that one? I'm going to say something that might get me in trouble again. I don't know how much God cares about which job you have. Here's what I know God cares about. Whatever job you have, you worship Him. And you prioritize Him. And you share him with everyone around you. And if you're not doing it here, why do you think you'll do it there? And, and listen, like, I think God can lead us from one job to the next. Just as I think God purposely 
like in the book of John, he tells a story. We're not going to get to it in Luke, but like Jesus is supposed to go from one place to the other, but he purposely goes a different way just so he can meet a woman. And, and I believe God can lead us specifically to places like a job. Or maybe, why did you get a flat tire today? Well, the temptation might be because my life sucks and because, like, it's so hard and, oh, no, it's snowing and here I am kneeling in the snow again. No, maybe someone stopped to help you and you get to speak. Or maybe your children are watching you to see how you handle adversity. Or, may, like, there's a whole host of reasons. And I just want us to ask the question of why. Because if, if expediency and ease is the only reason we make choices, then when temptation for things for our own glory come, we won't take it. But if we begin to ask ourselves, what's the point? What does God want to do through this? How can God be glorified through this? How can I love God more through this? How can I love my neighbor more through this? How can I learn from this? Suddenly, we're not living for the snows anymore. We're living for each other. Here's Jesus' response. He says this, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Here's what I want you to say. Trust God. Whatever situation you're in, whatever temptation, whatever trial, Whatever you're facing, God has a plan and a purpose. And if we will follow him and not just seek for the easiest way out, and not just seek for our own good, but instead we consider how we can bring God glory, how we can worship and prioritize him in this situation, and it can have meaning. He can turn the grave into a garden. He can bring life from death in whatever situation we're in. We need God. We just need to trust him. So I, I beg of us today that we must not sacrifice God's eternal purposes and plans for our own temporary pleasures. I have a, I have a little something here wrote this down when I read it, and I sometimes do a good job writing where I found it, but I did not this time. So this is called plagiarism, but I'm letting you know I didn't write this. I found this. And what I want you to know, this is what's taught through scripture. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily. Follow Christ. Sacrifice the lower life, this base instinct, for the higher life. Sacrifice the pleasure of things to gain the pleasure of life, of where actual peace with God reigns. And sacrifice the temporal to gain the eternal. We must not sacrifice the eternal purposes and plans of our God him alone we need to seek to worship him in our situation 
I just want you guys to know we need to be prepared for this. We need to be prepared to face temptation. We need to hide God's word. Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need the word of God to speak to us. We need to be prepared to face temptation from outside and from within. We need to seek God. Let me pray.